In theory, I actually think that, you know, even some of these states have required mandate a half a credit of personal financial literacy to graduate. And I just kind of feel like that's not enough. I feel like that <laughs> we really think about it. If personal finances was an equivalent to math, English and science. Yeah. In your opinion, what do you think the next 20 years will look like for for those individuals going through that system? How would the economy look? at mm -hmm. that point, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like, what, yeah, what, what do you think would be the impact? Because just like you mentioned, you know, yeah, you, you definitely need both, you know, but in lower economic households, it's usually income that's taught or that's referenced. You need yeah. to go make, you need to make a lot of money or get a good job or own a business that's going to pay you a lot of money. But if you didn't practice money management or money habits or tax strategy or banking or retirement you can make you can become a seven-figure earner and still be broke you got on your keys you got on your keys everything you want on top of everything you need just got on your keys nobody could take this built it from ground up and nobody could break this i'm making real moves when i see it i want it i get it let's build an empire baby i know that you with it can't nobody stop this they can only watch this it's time to talk life balance love and marriage all the trending topics no off days come up the hard way never no shortcuts i took the long way gotta leave treasure for my kids kids pleasure every loss been a lesson and welcome you guys again to the on your keys podcast i'm your host mink and we have my co-host right here jay golday aka mr on your keys y'all aka the monopoly boss what's good <laughs> what's good y'all we are so excited to bring you guys another podcast and today we have miss carly urban yes 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 let's get it let's get it so we got miss carly urban on here y'all and we got a dope conversation you know for y'all miss carly is a professor, a writer, philanthropist, and, you know, working in the space of personal financial literacy uh, in communities, which is a topic that we are very, very passionate about and we talk about often. So we are we eager to dive into the story and really talk about, you know, your expertise and what you bring to this industry and what you and in research. You know, we talk offline. We talked about research and that's a big component of of this sector is, is researching and finding out how do we how do we bridge this gap? Right. So. Yeah. You know, let, let's get into it. So, Ms. Carly. thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. <laughs> we are glad you're here. Yes. So I know that you know you have a a very lengthy um, background in economics. You know, and so you know, um, one of the things that you know I personally feel like um, is that you know economics plays a very huge role in financial literacy and the lack of. So give us a little bit of background about, um, you know, how economics, you know, has, you know, played a big role in, you know, you furthering, you know, the financial literacy mark that you're that you're basically, you know, furthering. Yeah. So I think as a researcher, having an economics lens is really important because we're obsessed with causal effects. So what is actually changing behavior? What is actually going to help people? Um, but I think like from the learning perspective, you can't really have personal finance without economics because budgeting is basically just opportunity costs. So you're giving up something to get something else. Economics is just studying scarcity, which is personal finance at its essence. So I think anyone who thinks you can completely separate the two is misled, right? There's no way you can have one without the other. Yeah. And then, you know, in terms of like, you know, um, local economics, you know, um, 
I think that that's where, you know, the line is, it's kind of like it, get, it gets blurry for me because, you know, when you're thinking about local economics, right, the local economy, you know, I'm like, how can you, how, how can you have a strong, you know, economy locally if you don't, if you have people that have a lack of financial education? Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's one thing I always talk to about state policymakers when they're trying to figure out, you know, how do we add personal finance in schools? What's it going to do? And I'm like, you're basically reducing reliance on the safety net and expanding your tax base, right? It's really <laughs> kind of an economic <laughs> argument from that perspective. Um, and then obviously you're, you're helping people, which is also good. Um, so depending on who you're talking to, you have to make one versus the other case. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you can't separate them, right? It's it's the most, it's the simplest, most basic thing that you can do to really just improve the lives of young people, especially, right? Starting out your financial footing with uh, basically a way to figure out who is going to scam you is a really important thing, right? The people who right. come to you with deals are not the ones who you want to be engaging in financial transactions with usually, right? You want to seek out the people <laughs> that make sense for you. Uh, you yeah. don't want to be sold something. Right. So how long have you been, um, how long have you been, you know, doing this great work that you're doing? Over a decade now, which is crazy. Right. So yeah, 2012, I think it was easy to constantly be thinking about this kind of stuff during the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. um, the Great Recession kind of just always thinking like, what's gonna get people out of this? What's the next step? How do we improve people's finances? How do, at that point, we had a huge foreclosure crisis. So we were thinking a lot about um, counseling for people in foreclosure, right? What should you do next and what, what makes sense? And it was a very specific population. There was a lot of counseling going on, um, just like trying to figure out what made sense for people when everything was kind of a mess. Um, and then you saw states really start to add these standalone personal finance course requirements really in 2007 with Utah. Um, and it's really expanded since then, but they were kind of the pioneers in this space because they were like, hey, stuff's getting really bad. <laughs> we should really help young people early so that they don't get into that kind of trouble later. Wow. wow. And that's, that's, that's amazing, you know, and you know, OYK, we talk a lot about, you know, black economics barriers mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's within black economics. And of course, personal financial literacy is always a topic, you know, in all spectrums. Right. And, you know, you talked about your about research. You know, you mentioned that you're like a research guru. I'm sure in your research in this particular topic that it took you into a rabbit hole of things that, you know, that you probably just found that were just un you know, overwhelming, just undeniable. You know, what are what are some of those things that you found when it when it relates to you know uh, the 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 black and minority community with the lack of fin um, uh, personal finances in, in in school system? So you're right. There there are huge gaps. Um, so when states don't have requirements in place, uh, the schools that are more likely to add the requirements are to are to give access. I guess you could say to personal finance coursework. It's white schools primarily in rural areas which is kind of backwards um but it's actually harder for city schools to to add classes or requirements they just have too much going on already they have lots of other things they're dealing with sometimes they're big school systems and it's harder to do um, so some of that is more mechanical um, the other thing i'll say about uh that i think maybe is 
an important side note, but also like very maybe surprising um, to some people that uh, it's not helping some groups more than others. So it's not like personal finance is only helping the richest kids or the poorest kids. It's kind of helping everyone the same and just exactly. kind of rising the tide. It's not helping um, young uh, yeah, kids from poorer backgrounds, richer backgrounds, people of different races or ethnicities. So black students aren't getting more out of it than white students are. Um, so I always hear some stories about like how this can close the racial wealth gap. And that's not that's not true. That's I, don't, I wouldn't lean on financial education for that. Maybe if we had more financial access in communities of color, um, mm. then, you know, then maybe financial education could help with that. But we know that uh, people who are in schools where there is there are fewer um, low cost financial services. So you, you don't have any banks. Right. So if there's no mm. banks and you only have a payday lender, all the financial education in the world isn't going to help you. Right. Yeah. So we need access and education. Okay. Thank you. Okay. 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 Yeah. Cause that's, what, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where, that's where I was kind of going with it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, the, the education actually plays such a huge, a huge role in, in, in the type of finance, financial, um, I guess, things that you need to be able to access. So I'm like, if you don't, you know, if you have a lender, you know, that is trying to give you a 17% interest rate, as opposed to with hard, with horrible terms, as opposed to someone, you know, another lender that may be giving you an 8% interest rate, you would need to understand, you know, the fundamentals of how interest rates actually affect what you're actually going to pay back. And that would come from the finance, from the educational side of it, you know? So before you said that, I was like, well, wait, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oh, I totally agree. I think you need both, right? But the yeah. flip side is also true. Let's say that you have tons of education. You know it's not the right product, but you just have nothing locally, right? That is your only option. Then you're like, what is this class even teaching me, right? Yeah. You're, you're probably yeah. even more frustrated and you're like, yeah, maybe some people have access to that, but this is all that's in my area. What am yeah. I going to do? Do, yes. do you think that with the school systems, it's more about a priority? Um, in, in, because I mean, in theory, you know, and that's it's, it's a. I actually had this a little further down, but I, I think it's relevant. In theory, I actually think that you know, even some of these states have required mandated half a credit of personal financial literacy to graduate, and I just kind of feel like that's not enough. I feel like that <laughs> we really think about it. If personal finances was an equivalent to math, English, and science, yeah. What, in your opinion, what do you think the next twenty years will look like for? For those individuals going through that system, how would the economy look at mm -hmm. that point? Mm -hmm. You know, like what, yeah, what, what do you think would be the impact? Because just like you mentioned, you know, yeah, you you definitely need both. You know, but in lower economic households, it's usually income that's taught or that's referenced. You need yeah. to go make you need to make a lot of money or get a good job or own a business that's going to pay you a lot of money. But if you didn't practice money management or money habits or tax strategy or banking or retirement you can make you can become a seven-figure earner and still be broke and i actually have this new paper out i guess in the last year and we actually find that requiring financial education or any high school financial education does not change whether or not you have retirement accounts 
-hmm. So I think there's something about jumping into that 17 year old brand brain and figuring out what they can actually process. <laughs> and mm -hmm. they might not yet even want to be thinking about that. What they get excited about is thinking about like an auto loan, you know, like what is the first thing you're going to do that you like actually want to do? Buy a car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So things that like the 17 year old is like, oh yeah, this is cool. Or like, you know, thinking about That's like good. what happens yeah. when you have a shock, right? Yeah. So keeping it fun for them. The second you get into like annuities or like even investment, if it feels really far off because you're from a lower income family and you're mm -hmm. like, we don't do that. No one's ever done that. Like we're barely, you know, making ends meet, yeah. then yeah. it might be too sensitive of a time to do that. Um, and, so I don't know that. Point. That's a really right. good point. Yeah. And I, I would say even at 17, because think about, couldn't we say the same thing for biology? If, if we're, if we're, if I'm a middle schooler, yeah, and, that's that's we, and, that, and that's why, I, and again, like, this is just, this is all my theory, yeah. but I'm like, it's school in itself, certain subjects, just in secondary, so, uh, elementary school, middle school, we're, yeah. we're, we're required to take those courses, regardless if we like them, chemistry, if they, yeah, if they're, if, yeah. if we have, you know, if, if we're passionate about them, if we understand them, it, it really doesn't yeah. matter, we have to take them. So you, if you gave a nine-year-old a biology book, and a finance book, well, a money book, whatever, the, whatever you want to call it, they may not yeah. like either one. But if well, so, you know, yeah, then, I, I would look at that a different way, right? Like, because when you're nine, what are you doing? You're collecting bugs, and that's fun, right? That's right? like the in, the initial biology. And when you're nine in the personal finance space, there's some people coming up with like very cool strategies. They call it like mm -hmm. my classroom economy, where you, there's this like points and reward yeah. system. And like, yeah. you know, if you get a certain number of stickers, you can cash in for a prize. But if you wait yeah. and you save grows pretty quickly, then you get a much better prize. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, kids are actually learning quite a bit from those right. like interesting interactions, but you can't teach it in the way you would think about it in of, high school. Of course. So I, I would say I, like, I agree. yeah. I agree with that. I, I, I agree that for each um, age group of kids, the, the learning of, you know, the, the, the curriculum would definitely have to be be different, you mm -hmm. know, just like any other subject. Like you said, when they're, when they're learning biology or those difficult subjects that's, that's not that interesting, those teachers have to be creative to get those kids to want to engage and yeah. want to learn those things, you know? And that's why I, you know, back to the, back to the original question, I just, yeah. you know, to your, in your in your research and your experience, if if it was, you know, let's say hypothetically, if yeah. if personal finance was equivalent to those subjects, math, math, English, and science, do you think that what what do you think that the that the next twenty years would look like? What do you think that how do you think the economy would look? I mean, that's a huge question. So let's say <laughs> I know. Do your best. you can tell that yeah. I'm clearly deflecting. Um, so I think if we were to say like, okay, you're gonna learn math starting you know first grade whatever whenever you start math um we're gonna take personal finance all the way back then we'd have kind of like this building block structure where kids are learning like hey if i eat all the cupcakes today i don't have any cupcakes for the party tomorrow right like delayed gratification right, and like right. you kind of just build up little, like little yeah. habits and norms playing with currency counting money like figuring out um how much a backpack costs on average, like little things like that. And then you can kind of just like keep building it. I think then we could almost think about like normal progress, like towards financial well-being and adulthood. And then we could kind of pinpoint where things are going wrong along the way um, and then figure out exactly 
like where we should be targeting, like, you know, where, where kids are going astray, where they need more in schools versus at home and how, how to kind of build all that together. Um, but I think if that, if we had a very robust program, like we do with math education, um, then yeah, I think we would, we would either see one, my pessimistic take is much more sophisticated scammers <laughs> or <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. I agree. They're sophisticated already. But I think, so, that's, more, I think that's more because of technology. I, I mean, but maybe. You, it, yeah. it, it is technology, but you still have to have to so scam. I don't care what anybody says. You got to have a certain level of intellect to scam. You, like, you, just, you can't be right. dumb. Like, that's just right. the reality of it. You can't. It's like, just like doping, right? Somebody's <laughs> going to figure out a way around. But right. I think my optimistic view is that we'd have more people who are resilient and like thinking about every financial transaction a little bit more carefully, right? right. And then you know, able to, re to do the research on their own and figure out, figure out what makes sense, figure out how to plan for the future, figure out how to have more conversations about right. money, especially right. uh, like within a family, across families, like people are running into the exact same problems, but they just don't want to talk to their friends about it. Right. Um, so we saw that a lot during the foreclosure crisis when people were losing their homes due to technicalities and just kind of taking it. And right. no one should do that, right? <laughs> but right. if they had like talked to each other and had more um, opportunities to do that and uh, it wasn't so taboo, then I think it would be, yeah, we'd have a, a different society about money. I think if we started talking about it earlier and it just became normal. Right, and and I agree. Cause and you said something earlier, you know, you said that, you know, doing this, you know, personal financial literacy, it doesn't just help that you know, a low economic demographic of people, it, it actually helps everybody. And I and I that resonated with me because I, I usually I use the example of, you know, my my kids can by by default know about personal finance just for being in the household. You know, yeah. them, just by just for being around. They'll be able to learn certain things. If I didn't input or just drill it in, but just from being present, they can pick up on certain things. And a lot of times we don't realize that, you know, okay, our kids gotta grow up, you know, if they they, they, they'll get married one day. And what if they marry somebody who didn't have the same exposure? So now you're in a relationship and you have one um, ideology on money and the other one doesn't. And that can get convoluted if, depending on how, how you guys are able to interact with each other. You know, yeah, a lot of times, absolutely. a lot of times couples finances get, you know, uh, you know, destroyed because they couldn't get on one accord because they grew up in two different ways about money. Yes. You know, so that that kind of leans to your point that this helps everybody. You could have a wealthy person who have who whose kid married a, a person that came from a low economic family. Yeah. They learn something totally different. They both mm -hmm. learn something totally different. And now now they're trying to merge these two ideologies together, these two uh, economic um, classes together to try to become one. And yeah. they're trying to figure it out, you know. It's tricky. So my my other suggestion is I always say that there should be some type of simulation in these classes um, mm -hmm. where people learn how to navigate uh, benefits and a budget on things like SNAP and TANF and other kind of government benefits just to see how hard it is. And if you can figure that out, you can figure out any of your own budgets. <laughs> but it also gives you that kind of empathy when you end up in those types of relationships where somebody was better off than you were growing up. Um, they can kind of understand at least where you're coming from. Um, right. But I feel like there are no better budgeters out there than people who have been on public assistance at some point. But then I feel like, too, you know, the you know, the 
the government in that way, you know, that could be a really, really good thing to implement is, you know, something to some type of training or, you know, mm -hmm. methods to be able to even help those, you know, the people that are, you know, on government assistance, because sometimes it becomes a lifelong thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. And so, you know, even if, you know, some type of financial education training or something like that was included in those programs, mm -hmm. you know, it can it could really, really, you know, help them even to, you know, get off of the programs, you right. know, and yeah. things like that, even, you know, on how to because because you because everyone can always find some extra money in their budget, you know, right. you know, we we all yeah. know. You know, but sometimes, you know, it's just a habit. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a the money habit. habit. Yeah. I said this. We did a show with um, CEO Housing Authority a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, me and him talked about a family that we knew that basically, you know, this it was three generations of families that was on on, uh, you know, public housing. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were paying twenty five dollars a month in rent. But it, it was continued on throughout their family, um, you know, generation to generation because it was just never taught that we can do it, do something different. Yeah. You know, even even with the money that they they all worked, they made you know salaries. You know, so with with a with a with a very low um um expense overhead, you know, they still didn't they still didn't take advantage and 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 put themselves in a situation of wealth. But it wasn't because they couldn't. Yeah. It was just the education wasn't there. You yeah. know, yeah. and 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 I it all I always go back to my theory. I said if if people would just have this at a place that they have to go to for at least 12 years of their life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to meet people where they are, right? Because you, know? you yeah. can't pick your parents. So right. yeah, yeah, learning from your parents isn't always an option. And then, right. yeah, after that, people are like, oh, well, just do it in the workplace. Well, not everybody works and right. non-traditional work is becoming really common and that's really tricky. So yeah. how do you actually do that? Yeah. My mom yeah. was an educated woman. She was, a, she had a college degree, you know, but we came from a, you know, she came from a history of bad money management with within her families. My lesson on credit was whenever you max your credit card, I'll just make sure you pay the minimum balance. <laughs> and I believe that. Right. I believe yeah. that until, until I was taught something different. Yeah. And then when I was taught something different, I tried to bring it back to her. And she was like, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Look, she, look she, she, thought that she thought that I was the devil. <laughs> and, you know, I come from a totally different, totally like my dad was like, my dad is frugal. My dad is a saver. You know, my dad has a lot of, he understands, you know, money in a different way, you know, but. He definitely was like, wait, max a credit card out. Wait, what? Oh no. You know what I'm saying? Like that you never do. And you know, and, it, and and literally I can't even think about even having a conversation about making a minimum payment. You know right. what I'm saying? It's like if you have a credit card and you max it out, you pay it off. If you don't have yeah. the money to pay it off, you shouldn't be using it. Right. You know, like exactly. that. Those yeah. were like my lessons, you know, and saving, you know, that was so important. But it just it just shows the difference of you know, people coming from different families right. and connecting. Right. And then when you connect in some kind of way, those habits are going to spill off on, on each other, exactly. especially if you're receptive to it, you right. know, because you were receptive yeah. to that, you right. know? So, you know, I, I definitely do think that, you know, having, and, and so that was, that, that just, that just goes into my point, you know, having financial education mm -hmm. in some kind of way, you right. didn't have it right. or you had something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't right, you know, but you did have something. But what I wanted to know, though, Carly, was, you know, mm -hmm. you do this every day, right? You know, I know yeah. I know that you do this every single day. So, like, you know, how are your students, you know, receptive to this? 
So I'm not actually a financial educator. So no, I should be economics. Okay. I'm an economist every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like students still don't want to talk about money, right? Mm -hmm. Even yeah. like they want to talk about it among hypothetical people and they're very judgy about what they do um, without really understanding mm. other people's constraints, right? Mm. So let's say that you have a certain income and you have a huge shock where like, let's say your car breaks down and you have to pay for a repair, otherwise you can't get to your job. Like, what do you do, right? You gotta figure out a way to pay for it. So maybe that's when you do max out the credit card and not even knowing you can't pay the balance just to keep right. your job, right? Okay. So uh, I think like understanding people's weird constraints, right? Where, you know, like ultimately you wanna be in a situation where you can be uh, making regular savings or making savings more regular habit. Uh, but there's always gonna be these weird nuanced cases where people have really big shocks. And I think we saw that a lot in the pandemic, mm -hmm. pre-stimulus payments where people were like, oh God, now what am, I gonna, what am I gonna do? Like, I just got furloughed. Do I do, you know, do I tell my boss to just completely lay me off so I can go on unemployment? Or do I, yeah. you know, keep working and stay attached? Or do I like, do I now watch yeah. the kids because they're home and then my wife has to quit her job? Or like making all of those trade-offs were really tricky. And I think students were really receptive in that in that time period, like, oh yeah, shocks happen. Whereas before they were like, the shock is your fault. And I think in the financial oh, education wow. world, we always like, we're always plagued with the blame game, right? Like if only you had done something better, like been smarter, you wouldn't have had this shock, which often shocks are things like cancer, right? That are really expensive or yeah. like other big financial things where somebody has to quit their job to be a caregiver for someone else in the family or, I don't know, there's a lot of situations that we don't naturally think about that are like very bad for your your overall household budget, but actually um, you're still doing the rational thing, but your finances don't look so hot. Right. Hmm. And, I, and I think it's the the type of money we have, we talk about that makes it, you know, like you said, for your students is yeah. might be unattractive because they want to talk about some kind of money. Being a consumer <laughs> is fun. Like it feels... Yeah, exactly. When you have you spend money, regardless if you have it or not, you feel good at the moment, you know. So, it, but talking about money discipline, you know, behaviors of money that don't always feel too good. Yeah, you're you right. You know, when you like you mentioned earlier, you know, delaying gratification. You know, most seventeen-year-old kids ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> They're not trying to delay nothing. You know, yeah, they want they, they want it today. Even the, even adults, even us. You know, we yeah, want it now. We struggle you know? with that too. Yeah, we want we want it now, and that's that that's that feeling of it feels good to have it. You know, yeah, if you yeah. even if you know. So it's like being able to have the conversation and, and articulate and teach. You know, the 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 the, <laughs> uh, the principles of of money management. You know, I think that's where a lot of the barriers are because it's just, you know it's like it's almost like I said to me it's like learning biology. Biology. Yeah. I, like I never, I didn't, I didn't care nothing about it. I wasn't going to use it. I didn't care about it. it didn't <laughs> Same. <last>. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't you know, but I'm I with you there. Yeah. But I have a choice. You know, they they force fed it to me. But, so. So I want to ask you this one more thing. Yeah. You know, so so what? So you know, with with what you with what you do every day, you know, I know that I know that you are a professor. You know, um, and so like, what is something that you know you feel like? you really, really want your students to know when it comes to personal finance and economics? Oh, that's a big question. Um, 
like something oh that's God. like you know like something yeah. that you know really important you know because i because i know that i i know the work you do and so that's why i'm like to me i look at it as passion like you like mm -hmm. you've done you've you put out some great, some great work, you know? And so I'm like, I know that there's, there's a driving force behind this. Yeah. That's <laughs> so I feel like I, yes, I'm like, I, there are a lot of things I want my students to know. I feel like I work at a, what we call a land grant university, which yeah. means I'm at a public university where uh, half of our job is educating students within the university. And then the other half is like doing research and talking to people outside of the university about that research. So making it known to like everyone in the state, like, you know, what your research finds and why it's important and why their tax dollars should support us. Yeah. Um, and I think I spend a lot of time talking to state and federal policymakers about financial education. Mm -hmm. And I think I spend a lot more time trying to educate them on what it does than I do my students because I think yeah. they buy You've in right away. Before too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like my students really kind of like they're on board, right? They yeah. they think that this is important. They're they're thinking carefully. They know how to do their own research. I think personal finance is personal, and they know that, and they want to. I mean, to be like an econ nerd, completely maximize their own utility, but like their lifetime utility, right? How yeah, happy they yeah. are over their entire life. And yeah. like maybe that means thinking about consumption in a different way, where it's not just like buying stuff, it's like your leisure time and how to like figure out how to make your leisure valuable to you, but without spending right. a lot of money, right? right. So doing right. things that you actually enjoy, right. whereas like clicking the button on Amazon and ordering more things that come to the house that you're not really that excited about might right. not actually bring you much joy, right? right? But like maybe going to a park and hanging out with friends does. So maybe that's what you should be doing with your time slash resources instead. Uh, so I think I want students to always think about trade-offs and think about what you're giving up uh, when um, when you're spending or when you're, you know, um, investing, like what, what makes sense for you to give up now for your future self? Um, and just kind of always have that in the back of your mind. Um, what I want policymakers to know is a little different. I feel like that education is what like maybe yeah, more of my passion comes from. <laughs> yeah. Talk on that real quick. Cause it probably yeah. my next, my question, the ones to ask after that, but yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've talked to people in lots of different states. They always want to know what's already happening in their schools. Where are the inequities in access to personal finance education? Um, and, you know, I'm always happy to talk about that. But the, the returns to financial education in high school are so high. So credit scores go up within mm -hmm. five years. Delinquency rates fall. Students make smarter student loan decisions. So you might not realize this, but a lot of them use credit cards, which is ridiculous, uh, with very high balances, right? Wow. And, <laughs> and afterwards, um, they're actually borrowing more in federal student loans with low interest rates that don't accrue interest during school, like a smarter loan than, you know, whatever you were paying on your credit card. Yeah. You have to pay back right away. Um, and I think those things are really important. Um, payday loans um, go down. So people are less likely to use payday lending after financial education in high school is required. There's anything that's going to get you out of a debt and poverty trap. It's yeah. not using a payday loan, right? Like not going to the payday lender that first time. So our really ARC learner, our zip code, because <laughs> those are the, the modern day 
payday loans, yeah. you know? Exactly. You know, and, yeah. And, yeah. And to that point, you know, they're not they're not as interest, um, you know, aggressive, but they but they develop the practice. Yeah. You develop. Yeah. They're exactly. giving you the, they're giving you the ability to develop a habit of buying something that you can't afford at the moment. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you think the you know, do you think a half a credit with some of these states have been doing? <laughs> do you think it's enough? So a half a credit, in my understanding, is a full semester. Mm hmm. So it's it's better than what we could get so if you look at a state like virginia they actually have a full year that's economics and personal finance mm -hmm. and mississippi actually does a full year of they call it college and career readiness where personal finance mm -hmm. is throughout the whole thing but it's more like getting you prepared for life as well so there's some other stuff mixed in but that's a full year as well so yeah. there are some that have done that model um, in Utah, there's a, a few different classes you can choose from. They've kind of evolved the most over time because they're the earliest ones. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are full year classes that m put personal finance in other stuff, more like these life preparation classes that they're trying to build where you might actually learn how to like cook and grocery shop <laughs> as well. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's kind of related to making a budget and figuring yeah. out all this stuff. and. Um, a lot of things that are intertwined. So there are different types of classes uh, that are in other states. Some of them are still only a half credit, uh, but I think it's still a lot of progress uh, compared to what it was before. Uh, and I, I worry that sometimes when it's too short, you think that you're just gonna get these weird rules of thumb, like never do this, always yeah. do this. Right. And those are really damaging to people who are like, ooh, my family had to do that or like, yeah. Oh, like, well, and I, I really think that might make sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like some people say, never borrow, and it's like, well, right. Right. <laughs> that probably right. doesn't make sense for a lot of people. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. but yeah, I, so so too short could end up, you know, having these weird rules of thumb. I think I've not been concerned with the the specific um, standards that the schools have been laying or the states have been laying out, like seems like things that absolutely need to be covered are there um but they there could definitely be more absolutely yeah yeah gotcha. yeah. yeah and i like that answer you know that's yeah that yeah, was definitely. that's good yeah definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah i mean because i mean at the end of the day you know we're not we you know she they can't be everywhere we can't be in every school you know but right. setting the standard and that's what i think has been done now is just right. setting the standard you know yeah, yeah. that is exactly. important it, you know yeah. It's actually good, and that's what I was excited about. It gives a baseline to grow from. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. It. I hope in my, in my, in my perfect world, every state adopted and make it mandatory. <laughs> keep throwing it out there, but you know, we'll see. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of states that also have some requirement where personal finance is within another class or yeah. within yeah. everything at large. And only about fewer than half of schools actually do anything <laughs> when there's one of those requirements in place. So <laughs> I feel like those are less exciting. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I agree because it's it's easy to hide, you know, that, you know, what was actually being done, if any, you know, exactly. we we both have well, we've been in the school system as well um, with certain things. And we're able to see, you know, that when 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 staff gets short or you yeah. know, time gets short or, or a standardized test is coming around. Certain things get cut, you know, yeah. even if it's part of the curriculum. This may we may bypass this because this is not 
what we need to teach at this point for to get you to the metric that we need to get you to. Yes. You know, and 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 that's that's I guess that's the the downfall of these hybrid um, mm -hmm. models and some, of, and some of the schools is that you just don't know. You don't really have a, a metric to to really see if there are they really learning this stuff, and is it really being taught? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're using like a very basic metric and looking at every school's website and seeing if it's even on the online course. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, that's like the right, that's, yeah, that's, real, that's real basic. Like at least have, yeah. least have that, right? Right, yeah. Let us, let us <laughs> think it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they're bold. Yeah. Right. Well, we yeah. thank you so much, Carly, for your time. This yeah. was really, really informative. You know, we know that this is needed. We know how important this is. We know that it affects, you know, how we live our daily lives, you know. So we really appreciate, you know, the work that you have done. And we really appreciate you taking the time to come on Own Your Keys podcast and, you know, help our listeners out, you know, just get a little bit more, you know, informed on personal finance and, you know, you know, just being mandated in schools on the importance of our kids, you know, having access to this information. So yeah. we thank you so much. And um, you want to say yeah, anything? Carly, how can how can our listeners find you, uh, your publications, um, you know, just anything that you're writing, anything about you that, you know, they might want to want to want to go to and check out? Yeah. So you can look at my website. It's carlyurban.com, C-A-R-L-Y-U-R-B-A-N. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter, Carly underscore Urban. I follow her on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of mountain pictures too. I feel like my life yes. is split between either like playing outside or yeah, we're going hiking Saturday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank oh, you. And off, and y'all know how to find her. Y'all know how to find us at On Your Keys or the Investor Queen or the Monopoly Boss. We thank you so much for tuning in. Y'all be great. Peace. See you later.